Hello, this is Jason Marsden. I don't know why I'm talking like this, but you are listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast. This is episode number 300 where tonight we are going to be talking about The Haunted Mansion. Welcome, everyone. I know there's probably going to be a lot of new listeners coming in with our big event we just did this weekend in Salem. So thank you. Thank you for everyone for checking out the podcast. And we hope you stick along with us on our journey as we are now at number 300. Can you believe it, Steve? 300 episodes in. I should also mention Todd is on his way. He will be coming very shortly. So. All you Todd lovers out there, don't you worry. He'll he'll be along soon. But Steve, what do you think? Three hundred. I know you came in what a little after one hundred, so maybe this is like so, so, actually or... seventy eight. So okay, uh, yeah. So I came in seventy eight, and I did like on and off until eighty two. And eighty two, I went pretty much every episode since. So yeah, it's been like two hundred twenty ish episodes that I've been on. So it's quite the ride. Four years since we uh, switched over to the Horror Squad podcast from. The remnants of the previous podcast are pretty, uh, pretty happy. 300 is good. And we only missed one episode in, you know, those 220 that I've been on. And it's because of the event last year, we all got sick. So uh, hopefully that's not the case again this year. But yeah, pretty psyched about it. Yes. So I guess let's get into it because obviously the day this episode drops on Friday, it's going to be a crazy, crazy weekend, and but we are very, very excited for it. So on Friday, of course, the cast of Hocus Pocus is going to be coming into Salem to celebrate their third, the 30th anniversary of the movie. On Friday, they are going to be at Bit Bar, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. It is going to be an amazing, amazing party. Um, there's going to be free swag bags, free uh, photo ops with the cast. There is going to be food and drink, non-alcoholic, but there is going to be a cash bar for those that would like to partake in alcohol. There will also be unlimited game tokens because it is a very fun old-school arcade bar, so you can play games and whatnot. We are also going to have a DJ. Also, there will be burlesque and drag performances by Ms. Diamond Wigfall, and all of her drag kings and queens will be doing performances all night. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be just an amazing night, amazing party, so... Head on over to BitBar. Uh, it's just a bunch of Halloween.com. You can buy tickets. There are still tickets available if you are listening before the party on Friday. And then on Saturday, there is going to be a signing on Salem Common with the cast. I've had uh, right now, hopefully, the weather you know looks a little better by the time we head out there. But I will say it is a rain or shine event. There is rain in the forecast. There We have gotten a few questions regarding... People concerned about valuable posters or items that they don't want to get wet. I will say, find a volunteer. You will still have to wait in line, but we will put it somewhere secure in the tent if you are concerned about something like that. So just find a volunteer, let them know, and they will bring your item into the tent for safekeeping while you wait in line. But hopefully the weather does hold out. But yeah, there's going to be photo ops, autographs. Uh, You can do solo autographs. You can do group autographs, group photo ops with the cast. 
over on Salem Common. Like I said, the cast will be under a tent, but definitely prepare just in case. Keep an eye on the weather. Bring an umbrella, bring covers, whatever you might need to keep yourself dry before you go and want to look. Obviously, you want to look your best for the photo ops. So try to stay dry before you get into that tent for the photo ops and the autographs. But the cast, super excited to meet everyone. Um, it is just going to be an, uh, an amazing event. And we are so, so, so excited. I should also mention the following week, there is going to be an event with tonight's interview, which I haven't even, we're so busy. We have so much going on. That I haven't even mentioned. We have an interview tonight as well with Douglas Tate, uh, who played Michael Myers uh, stunts in Halloween Kills. And he also played Jason in Freddy versus Jason in the final scene when he is taking Freddy's head, carrying Freddy's head out of Crystal Lake at the end of the movie. We had an awesome interview with him and we are doing an event with him next weekend, October 28th. He is going to be signing at Silver Moon Comics. He is also going to be doing a photo op in full Jason for his costume, Freddy vs. Jason look, Jason, of course. And he'll also be doing a Q&A prior to a screening of Freddy vs. Jason, which I want to give a shout out to our friends over at PVD Horror because of the craziness of our schedule. The PVD Horror podcast is going to be handling the Q&A for us. So we thank you so much to them for helping us out on that event as well. And yeah, I think that's about it, Steve. Uh, Just crazy, crazy October. But I wouldn't have it any other way. It's just, it's so much fun to do all these events. Although exhausting, we do it for the listeners of this podcast. And we hope you can join us for any and all of those. We also are going to have a meetup coming up at uh, Living Dead Weekend. That is going to be next year. So we will give you guys more details of that once we get through October. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think I got to get through everything, Steve. Is that everything? Yeah, everything on our end for sure. Just two things that I want to plug as well on the side here. Uh, it is the spooky season. So not only am I talking horror on this podcast as I do every week, but I'm also going to be talking horror on two other podcasts that you should check out. The first one is the podcast that Todd and I a co-host with another host, Mondo, called the Let's XP Geek and Gaming Podcast. We have a Halloween episode coming out next week where we'll review two horror games, the Friday the 13th game and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. And all that episode as well, I'm going to talk about my thoughts on the Meg to the Trench and Spirit Halloween. I've been watching so many spooky movies, I can't fit them all into what watch on this show. So if you want to hear my thoughts about Meg 2 and Spirit Halloween, check out the Let's XP Geeking Game podcast next week for that Halloween episode. And the other podcast that I uh, also appeared on was the Don't Be Crazy podcast. That episode should release the same day as this one. And on that one, I'm going to talk about VHS 85, which is a new movie that just dropped on Shudder. Uh, We actually almost reviewed it on this podcast for our Halloween episode. We put it up to a vote, but it did not win. So if you want to hear about my thoughts, you will have to check him out on that podcast. Again, it's the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, we had a ton of fun discussing that movie. It's uh, it's interesting, VHS 85. That's all I'll say for now. So if you want to hear my thoughts about that movie as well, check out that podcast. I love this season, Joe. There's just so much going on, uh, but I also love watching all the horror. There's so much co- coming out. It's absolutely ridiculous the amount of films coming out these days. I can't keep up. It's just insane. No, absolutely not. Like October, obviously, it's the best time of the year, but it's so hard, especially now that we are 
crazy enough to want to put on all these events and stuff like that. It, it's kind of hard to even enjoy the month at this point, but we do it for you guys. We do it for the listeners of this podcast. We want to put on such amazing events for everyone. So we are super excited and we hope we to see you guys this weekend. We hope we said hi to you all and we hope you got the free swag. Because we got some Hocus Pocus magnet stickers and all that. So hopefully you found us through there as well. And hopefully we said hi to you guys. And uh, yeah, stick around. Because we have a lot of exciting stuff planned for throughout all of next year and whatnot. And maybe more Hocus Pocus events next year and years beyond. I don't know. Keep listening to the podcast. And you know, we'll, you'll be the first to know, of course. And one last thing, if you're unable to come to Salem this weekend, unfortunately, you can't meet the Hocus Pocus cast, make sure to check on our back catalog because a couple episodes ago, we actually interviewed all four of the people who are going to be at that event. So Thora Birch, Vanessa Shaw, Omri Katz, and Jason Marsden. They had some great stories to tell about Salem. Fortunately, they can't talk about Hocus Pocus due to the ongoing actor strike, which we fully support. But that doesn't mean they didn't have a ton of fun and talked about some really cool stuff. So check out our back catalog with for that interview and a ton of other. We've had a really good run of interviews lately. So definitely check all that out. Yes, definitely. And once the strike, the actor strike does end, we'll definitely get them back on. And we can talk all good things, hocus pocus with them as well. Because I know I had a lot of questions I did want to ask all of them. Yeah. But we, we did ask Omri a lot last year prior to our Omri event. So you could also go back about a year and listen to our interview with Omri Katz as well. Um, we did a lot of fun stuff with him as well. But definitely listen to that interview. Just two episodes, 298, I believe it was. Head back to episode 298. You can listen to the interview with all four of the cast there. All right, Steve, let's get into it. What you been watching this week? All right. So a lot, Joe. The answer is a lot because it's the time of year where I kind of put, like, I don't watch any non-horror around this time of year unless I have to do it for my other podcast. I also don't watch too much TV. I try to keep it for like November when it gets cold and I can't go outside and stuff. So I've been watching a lot of movies, which is why I had to go to another podcast to talk about some of the movies I watched. But here are the two that I did watch on this podcast. So the first was actually sent to us as a screener. So thank you very much to the studio for sending that in. And it is a 2023 film. It is actually out in theater the day that this episode releases. But I think it's going to VOD on Screenbox shortly thereafter. It's called Onyx, the Fortuitous, and the Talisman of Souls. That's a big mouthful of a title. So this movie is about uh, a guy, Onyx, and he's kind of a loser. And he's really into this kind of magician type guy played by Jeffrey Combs. Um, And he enters a contest because he's going to choose five people who are going to get to meet that kind of magician guy. And he like puts out kind of a YouTube type video to win that contest. And sure enough, he wins and he goes with four other people to this uh, kind of big mansion. And he, this magician tells him that he needs their help to get this talisman of souls that he's searching and a bunch of stuff happens from there. I don't want to kind of spoil too much because it is brand new. This movie is very hard to describe. People will either love it or hate it. So Onyx, the main character of this film, he's kind of like Deadstream last year. He's very 
specific like and how he does that performance it's very irritating at the beginning of the movie where you're like oh man i i can't spend another minute with this character he's way too annoying to by the end of the film you're like i can't wait to see this character again because he's so hilarious in the way that he has that performance it's just a really good performance a really cool character kind of a goofy movie but it also has some serious stuff I don't know. I don't know how people are going to take this film. It's It could really, really go either way. I actually urge you to check it out if you have Screenbox or if it's on any of the other socials. I personally thought it was really good. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I gave it three and a half stars out of five. It actually came close to hitting my top ten. It's just, it, it's it's a goofy movie, but I was all for it. I just had a lot of fun watching it. I laughed out loud a few times, which is pretty rare, especially when I'm watching a horror movie. So... You know, my only knock on it is it's 20 minutes too long. And I know we say that a lot. This movie is kind of the same thing. If they had just tightened it a little bit, I think it could have been a ton better. But still, I think this is one people should check out. So that is Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls, either in theaters or on VOD or on Screenbox uh, shortly after you listen to this episode. All right. I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I got to see what my opinion on that one's going to be, but yeah. All right. So I haven't had time to watch many movies, obviously with so much going on, but I have watched a couple of TV shows so I can kind of talk on how those are going to start the first, the new season of Chucky, of course. I don't know if you've jumped on that yet, Steve, or not, but Chucky is now in the White House. So Chucky in the Oval Office this season I don't even know exactly how he got there, but we just opened with Chucky at the White House now. And yeah, Devin Sawa, apparently the returning cast member every season is a different character. He is now the president of the United States in this one. And the little uh, his son now, of course, has Chucky. And Chucky, of course, has started his killing spree in the White House. Sounds like a fun premise, but so far, a few episodes in, eh. Yeah, it's not, I'm not loving it so far. And the biggest reason for me is because Chucky this season has been almost like 90% CGI. And I don't know why they're doing that. Like Chucky, when he's practical, is when he's the best. And the CGI just never looks right with Chucky. I'm assuming it's they're just trying to shoestring the budget going into this this season and just thought they could get away with Chucky being CGI for the majority of it. And it's just not working for me. It's, it's just not working at all. The kills have been pretty solid, though. I, I will say that. But I'm just waiting for sort of right now, like there's just too much going on with the White House and it just feels too stuck there. We are getting, of course, the other characters, the teenager characters there. Um, I forget all their names, but I think it's Lexi and... Ben and I can't remember the other kid's name but the three of them are kind of side characters right now and we're kind of mainly focusing on the White House stuff and we haven't even been introduced to Andy and Kyle and all them yet so I'm kind of waiting for them to hopefully come in soon but so far kind of in my opinion off to a, a rough start kind of like how last season was off to a rough start so I'm hoping it will improve as the season goes along but we'll see and Todd's here ladies and gentlemen we we promised you he was going to come along here I am hello <laughs> hi what you you've been watching anything this week todd uh i watched one based off steve's recommendation of a couple weeks ago called zom 100 bucket list of the dead a japanese film from 2023 and before i go on man the, the uh the asian crowd is really like 
keeping zombies alive. We're not getting any of these movies from any other country in the world. It, usually it's, you know, Japan and Korea mostly. So thank you to those two countries for doing it. But anyway, this is another terrible title, similar to Hashtag Alive from the one or two years ago, which made it on my top of my 10 year list. But Psalm 100, Bucket List of Dead, basically zombie apocalypse happens. This young professional, um, he gets this new job. And like, he thinks he's so optimistic. Like he's saying, good morning to everybody. I'm starting to work. I can't, I can't wait. I got my dream job working. He's working for like a video production company or something like that. And after day one comes and goes, he realizes that he is in the, the hustle culture that we, that we're in right now across a large part of the world where, you know, you're, you're, you're not cool unless you're pulling in 18 hour shifts. And if you go home after a normal eight or 10 or whatever, that you're a piece of shit and you, you're not you're not working your butt off, which is, which is wrong. So this guy's getting burned out and then the zombie apocalypse happens and he's absolutely thrilled because he doesn't have to go to work. And I connected with it because I know every horror fan out there has fantasized at one point about a zombie apocalypse happening, whether it's when you're in school or at work and you're like, man, if this happened, I don't have to go to work anymore. I don't have to go to school anymore. And this guy lives it. And the reason it's called Zom 100, Bucketless of the Dead, is he's trying to make a top 100 things to do before he becomes a zombie. So overall, I enjoyed it, but it does get fucking crazy at the end there. And I don't want to spoil it because it it's it's so out of left field. It's like not even the same sport. It just comes out of nowhere and this thing happens. And it reminds me of a Resident Evil kind of boss character because Resident Evil is known to have random fucking creatures show up. And this has a random fucking creature. So it kind of lost me there towards the end. I did like the acting, the villain, the main bad guy, the boss. He's like a excellent cast because i fucking hated him so he did a really good job overall it's a solid three out of five for me and it's currently streaming on netflix i don't think it'll make my top 10 it might sneak in there just because the year's kind of weak but it's a it's it's a it's a solid like have fun with a different market kind of zombie film so zombie 100 bucket list of the dead See, it's funny that last moment in that movie like almost made me get out of bed and cheer <laughs> like because i was so excited yes. at how awesome that was so i guess a different reaction uh yeah there's no way you can predict where that movie's going no no well it's based off an anime right and animes can get pretty freaking crazy so yeah that's that has a lot to do with it i think i i did let, love one scene where i won't get the context away but you'll know when he's like something like ah zombies you're you're biting teeth mean nothing to me i just thought it was hilarious yeah, yeah. But if you see the movie you'll know why right for sure so my last one this week is another 2023 film. I watched this one over on Shudder, and it's a Malaysian film by the name of Blood Flower. So this movie is about a, um, he's like a healer. He sees dead people, and so does his mom. And he's kind of being trained to uh, heal people's like, it's almost like an exorcist in a way. Like he's healing people who are being haunted by these ghosts and stuff like that. And his mom takes on a spirit that was a little bit too strong and unfortunately passes away. So it takes place a little bit later. He's uh, struggling with his dad because his dad doesn't have like the gift or anything like that. And he's forced to watch this kind of neighbor's apartment that has a lot of weird shit in it. And one thing that he has is this blood flower, which is this crazy big flower that only blooms every eight years. And he's like tasked to make sure that that flower is taken care of. So the guy leaves, he goes on vacation or on a business trip or whatever. And of course, the kid is like, well, I have the key to this apartment. He wants to show his new friends that, you know, this blood flower because it's so kind of striking. So he t- steals the key from his dad, breaks into the apartment to go check out the stuff they have there. 
and they check out the flower, everything's cool. But then they see that there's this door that has three locks on it. And of course, kids being kids, they want to know what's behind the door. So they try to get in, they can't, but the door does eventually break open and it releases a spirit that kind of attacks a lot of people throughout the rest of the film. And I won't spoil too much more than that. This is kind of a... I feel two ways about this movie. The horror part of this movie, fantastic. There are so many different types of scares that this movie like brings at you it, it's ridiculous there are ghosts and demons and creatures and it's fucking relentless like it's just non-stop creepy imagery a few jump scares a few like foreboding scares it's it's really well done i really really enjoyed the horror part of this story i thought it was great and i saw some stuff that i either haven't seen before or i haven't seen often and that's probably because it's a cultural thing. Like they see demons and ghosts differently than like the America does. So I enjoyed that part of it. But on the other side, the story really wasn't gripping me. It's like they found something to try to bring these things together, but it wasn't working out all the all like at all for me. And I really wasn't into it. So it's, it's almost like I was waiting between scares to see what would happen next and not really interested in what was happening to the characters and all that stuff. Now that could be a lost in translation thing. You know, I've talked about in the past, but so I speak French and English fluently. And when I see a French film, sometimes I look at the subtitles. I'm like, wow, that is not at all what they're saying right now. And I have a feeling that it's kind of the same thing here because it's Malaysian and the English translation just isn't any good. So that's possible that there is a solid story and it just wasn't translated well. But from what I saw, it just, wasn't hitting me very well so i would say check it out for the horror if uh, you're into especially ghosts and demons and stuff like that but maybe the story won't be as appealing like it was for me i gave it three and a half stars out of five on letterbox so that's blood flower over on shutter sweet uh my last one tonight uh, another tv series i decided to check out streaming over on disney plus might as well keep it family friendly since we're doing haunted mansion tonight and that is goosebumps new television series just premiered with our boy rl stein uh you know i didn't know what to expect going into this i really didn't watch any trailers or anything like that so i was kind of expecting it to be like the original tv series where it would be sort of anthology based it is not anthology based actually it is a running tv series because and i found that out quite quickly when i went like skipped over to like episode two and i was like oh the haunted mask let me go watch that one then i realized oh shit i guess i gotta watch the first episode so uh, for those of you who have watched who watched like are you afraid of the dark the you know re uh release that nickelodeon did recently it's very similar i almost feel like they kind of ripped it off um, in a lot of ways where it's basically, you know, instead of anthology, it's it's one long running series. This one does have Justin Long in it. So for you Justin Long fans, that is a big plus. You know, um, so I've only watched a few episodes so far. And so far, yeah, I mean, it's pretty solid. I think kids will definitely like it. I'm liking what I've seen so far. I think actually think there's some legitimately creepy moments in here for the young ones and whatnot. There's been some cool imagery. They definitely change things up obviously as far as like haunted mask and you know each episode is sort of based on a story so the first one was say cheese and die the second one was haunted mask and then the third one i believe was cuckoo clock of doom so they kind of introduced those stories into a bigger story so yeah i mean it's interesting 
it's not what I was expecting. You know, I, I just don't know why they just don't go anthology style. I mean, with these, you know, I kind of wish they would, you know, I think it'd be more fun. I think it'd be cooler, but for whatever reason, you know, with Are You Afraid of the Dark and now with Goosebumps, they're going sort of this new route with it. It's not bad. I just prefer the anthology style. So yeah, I mean, I say give it a try. It's definitely not bad. Just know what you're getting into. So yeah, check it out. And also, did it? The new creep show started too. Speaking of anthologies, I don't know if you guys have watched any of those yet, but that's no, a thing too. Uh, how does that relate to the, uh, or not relate, but compare to the Goosebumps movies that were like recently with Jack Black and like in yeah, style, I would, style wise? I mean, very different, very different. Uh, I would, yeah, for sure. Th- these are this is definitely more of a serious like tone. There's no sort of comedy in this at all. It's definitely sort of horror drama based that's interesting oh, i didn't expect yeah. that from <laughs> from the series yeah honest, so that's great oh no, yeah it's it, it's very young adult i would say mm-hmm. you know for like a disney plus show yeah it's um you know they're all in like high school so i would say it's you know kind of think something like that i would say it's like i guess i i feel like their target audience right now would be like for this show would be like middle school and early high school is probably what they're gearing towards it's definitely gearing more towards young adult Kind of like the Goosebumps novels. Cool. All right. My final one is a 1996 werewolf film called Bad Moon. And have you ever guys ever seen this one? Long time ago. Okay, cool. So this was like a long time ago for me as well. So basically a fresh watch minus a couple scenes that I like, oh yeah, that's that scene. Basically a, a guy, he's a researcher or something like that. He's out in the forest with his uh, girl. They get attacked by a werewolf and he gets bitten. She gets killed and he comes back home. And he decides to go, he has like a trailer and stuff he lives out of. So he takes the trailer to his sister's house who has a kid who plays Dennis the Menace in that 90s film as well. And it's very close to the time he filmed that because it looks exactly the same haircut, everything. It's funny. Uh, He's just not a little fucking asshole in this one. But uh, yeah, he moves in there and like people are dying out in the woods, getting mauled to death. People think it's wolves, bears, something like that. And it turns out that this guy is a werewolf and he thought he, he's tried everything. He's tried going to doctors, medicine doctors, uh, witch doctors out in the woods, all this shit. And he's like, maybe if I'm with my family and I have their love or whatever, it'll help. It's a stupid fucking thought, but he was down on his luck and he decided to go move with his family. What I love about this film is, one, it's all practical, which is really cool. Like, yeah, you can tell it's a dude in a, in, a, in a suit, but I'll have that any day over some piece of shit CG. There's some surprising gore in here, like heads get splattered, things like that. But the number one thing in this movie is a dog, German Shepherd named Thor. And he's fucking legit, man. Like, he fights this fucking werewolf. He's constantly, like, warning them about, like, hey, this fucking asshole, something's wrong with this guy. And he's, like, constantly trying to warn them, and no one listens to him. And they literally, him and the guy literally have, like, a pissing match for who's going to be the alpha of the of the family. It gets to the point where he goes outside and pees on the doghouse just to mark his territory. It's so fucking funny, but it's played so straight that I, I love it. So Bad Moon, I gave it four out of five. It's over on Tubi. And I highly recommend it. Awesome. Trivia? Trivia it is. All right. So the judges spoke, a.k.a. Oh. Steve. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're close enough that last week, Joe, or Steve's going to stay with three. I'm going to stay with two. Joe's going to stay with one for quarter number four. And that brings up week number two. Who would like to lead off? I'll go. All right. So my first one this week is a Did You Know from IMDb. So I'm going to read a piece of trivia. Quote, goofs and crazy credits and see if you can guess the movie all right first one is trivia stephen king wrote the first draft of the script 
When this fell through, he reworked it into Rose Red. Quotes. Eleanor, you have trouble with commitment. Theo, well, my boyfriend thinks so. My girlfriend doesn't. We could all live together, but they hate each other. Uh, hold on. I know this. Uh, would it be The Haunting? Correct. Haunting, 1999. Which, oh, uh, it's, it's funny because uh, Owen Wilson's in that, and he's almost the exact same character than he is in Haunted Mansion. <laughs> so that's why I thought of it for the trivia this week. Wow. <laughs> all right i'll go next all right with this film jamie lee curtis surpassed donald pleasance as the actor with the most on-screen performances in the halloween franchise is that true or false question wait sorry no. yeah yes with this film okay jamie lee jamie lee curtis surpassed donald pleasance as the actor with the most on-screen Halloween performances Halloween in the franchise. Halloween Kills, Todd got it. I should have just said true. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four clues. And it's it's more horror adjacent. So in case you guys give me shit for it later. <laughs> Clue number one. A bunch of Englishmen. Clue number two. Older friends drinking together. Oh, wait. The world's end. No. Damn, dude. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Was it? Damn. Yeah, I thought you were gonna guess. Um, Fun the movie. One where, the one where they're in the woods and they get hunted by that like that fucking moose. The ritual. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie too. Yeah, the Which ritual. One? The yeah, ritual is badass. Yeah. That's a great movie. World's end. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's fun. That's a good one. All right, next one for me is guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Okay. Starting with sex and nudity. An unclosed boy is briefly seen in the bathtub. Non-explicit. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Violence and gore. Within the first five minutes of the film, a woman and a young girl are run over by a truck. The scene is violent in nature, but also very brief. Profanity. Very mild. Although son of a bitch is used once. Hell and Dam are also used a few times. How dare they? Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Characters smoke cigarettes and drink wine and champagne briefly. Not, not a lot of help there. But this no. is the good boy. All right. Frightening and intense scenes. The spirit of a boy who drowned is seen underneath the floorboards of a girl's room in a vision. The scene is quite shocking and could scare younger audiences. Sixth Sense? The, cha- the Changeling. Right, Changeling. Woo, I'm on fire, baby. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Three letterboxed reviews. Guess the movie. The lack of Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson was disappointing, to say the least. Care to guess, anyone? I have one, but uh, I don't <laughs> want to say. Got one in the chamber. I do. The, the Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed <laughs> of the Conjuring Cinematic Universe. Oh. And Annabelle comes home. Correct. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Were <laughs> they not in that? An accident. Did they not make an they appearance? Were, they, they were. It was very, very brief, though. Okay. No. And then right. my favorite, my favorite, uh, the third one was, why can't they just let the queen sit on her throne in peace? 
right. Name the subtitle for Wrong Turn Part 6. <laughs> Dead End. Incorrect. That's part oh, no. That was that was gonna be my guess too. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Everyone gives up already. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. idea. Correct answer is. Wait, that's not the right one. Uh, <laughs> last resort. I pulled out the wrong one. No. But yeah, the correct one is last resort. Last They're good, resort. man. I, I stand by them. I think it's a solid series. Not the oh, newest one. The newest. Uh, one I haven't balls. seen them also. Yeah, hmm. there's yeah. a last resort proof. Nice, unrated. Yes. All right. My last one this week. Yes, the movie based off the IMDb reviews. Can't escape the 2000s without running into Kyle Geller's emo ass at least once. Okay. This is the kind of trashy horror film that has a Jesus tramp stamp. And truly, I'm not here to shame it. I can really be a fan of trashy horror when it's fun and tries to make some kind of sense and doesn't pretend it's based on a true story, it bears essentially zero resemblance to. Isn't this technically a part of the Conjuring universe? The Haunting in Connecticut. Correct. Damn, he's... Joe on fire, did (laughs) Woo! Okay. Okay. Is it back to me? Yep. Yep. All right, last one tonight. I will give you details on the movie. Vague, vague details. <laughs> Try to guess it. All right. Okay, this movie was released in 2003. It is rated R. Okay. Runtime, one hour and 37 minutes. Director, Ronnie Yu. Oh, it's a Freddy vs. Jason. Correct. Alrighty. Four clues. We got four clues here. Clue number one. A voyeur. Oh my. Person is a voyeur. (laughs) Clue number two, Paul Verhoeven. Clue number three, my favorite one. Ouch, that's my nipple. Hmm. Clue number four. Sounds so familiar. My second favorite one, John Cena as You Can't See Me. For those listeners, I'm doing the fucking hand in front of the face thing. So we have a voyeur, Paul Verhoeven. Ouch, that's my nipple. And you can't see me. Hmm. hmm. I'm drawing a blank on this kick one. yourselves for this one. Is it? Probably. Uh, Starship Troopers? <laughs> no. I, I, I can't think of a Paul Verhoeven like, horror film. No, I don't know. The John Cena really is throwing me off on this one. Well, yeah. I, mean, I just threw <laughs> it in there to be cute. The, yeah. the clue is you can't see me. You can't see me. Yeah, I got nothing. No, Hollow Man. Ah, I've only seen it once, a long time ago. Yeah, I love that one. You can't see him. He does. He's a voyeur. <laughs> He's a little freak. All right, is that it? Is it? All oh, right, Joe, with a huge night, four points. Steve won, myself two, which brings us to quarter number four. Joe and Lee with five. Steve and I both tied at four piece for quarter number four trivia. Woo! Haunted Mansion. Yes. All right, Haunted Mansion, directed by Mr. Justin Simeon, currently out on Disney Plus right now streaming. Home is where the haunt is. A woman and her son enlist a motley crew of so-called spiritual experts to help rid their home of supernatural squatters. All right, so everyone knows Haunted Mansion based on the Disney ride of the same name. And we start off with a young man, I believe, what's his name, Joe? The photographer? 
or Ben. Ben's a photographer. The main character. We start off the main character, and he's a nice young man. He's enthusiastic. He meets this girl he ends up falling in love with, getting married, flash forward, and he's just now a totally different person. He lives in like kind of like a shithole. He doesn't like talking to anybody. He's not outgoing anymore. He he used to be like a physicist. He used to be high in his field, and now he's just doing ghost tours or uh, some kind of like fucking tours around New Orleans, and uh, we don't know why. Flash forward a little bit, and we have Rosario Dawson, who's a fucking babe, and her son. They bought this haunted mansion online on Zillow or something, and they show up to it and immediately start experiencing paranormal activity. Uh, and she's like, nope, we're leaving. Day one or night one, they just get out there in there for like 20 minutes, and they fucking leave. But the catch is that they don't want you to leave. The ghosts follow you. So now they have attachments to them. In come Owen Wilson, and he is a priest, and he goes to our, our lead character, who's a photographer, and turns out he develops something that can uh, peer into the spirit realm and take pictures of spirits. So Owen Wilson's like, I need your help. He gives him a pet talk, and he's like, this girl's paying $2,000. Come over to the house and try to help her get rid of these ghosts. He goes there, and long story short, the ghosts follow him. So him, Owen Wilson, and a crew of characters that they meet, uh, a mystic a local kind of professor played by Danny DeVito and all that stuff. They all go to the house and try to help this family deal with the um, the hauntings and try to get the ghosts to leave them alone, get out of the house. There's a legend that they unravel, things like that. I absolutely love the set design in this. I, like, it was cool, man. I love seeing the house. I love seeing the graveyard. My favorite part of the, the ride is when the spirits are dancing in the ballroom. So I, I like those, like, callbacks to to the ride stuff i thought that was really cool but i thought the movie was a little bit too long and the lead character ben the photographer i just i couldn't connect with him he's something about his maybe his performance or something is a little bit too melancholy for me and um rosario dawson she's great and everything i think she's a super babe so that's nice seeing her danny vito is always cool he's pleasant but i think the cast overall was a little bit underutilized and there's maybe a bit too much in the film or if they would have reined in a little bit, I thought it would have been a tighter film. So those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I love the Haunted Mansion ride. Full disclosure, I've actually never fully seen the Eddie Murphy version from whenever, 20 years ago, whenever that came out. I've seen bits and pieces, but I never fully watched it just because I had never heard overly positive things about it. So I skipped over it. So yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing this just based on the cast alone. I thought... The cast was great. I thought the set, like Todd said, the, the set design also great. I'm in full agreement. The movie is way too long at over two hours. I think almost like two hours, right at the two hour mark. This well, didn't need to be two hours. I started to feel the runtime, especially in the middle. Uh, this is the second time in a row too, where I just feel like there's too much, too many people involved. Like we talked about it on Exorcist Belie Believer last week where during the exodus scene you had fucking like 50 people uh in that exodus scene it's kind of similar here like i just don't i kind of agree i don't think we needed that many people trying to exercise these ghosts out of the house with that being said though i think there's a lot surprisingly this movie has a lot of like heart in it um, i was expecting a full comedy but man there's a lot of like depressing stuff in here actually it's it actually makes you kind of sad at moments but it's it's very um very nice messaging and whatnot and important messaging as well in there it's very heartfelt so yeah i mean i'm kind of like torn on it like i had a fun time watching it but i just wanted i feel like it could have been better you know I, I and maybe that's just my uh nitpick like you know it's not our it's not meant for 
you know, almost 40 year old men, you know, it's, it's a family movie. It's meant for kids and whatnot. Uh, you know, I would prefer obviously a, a darker take on the haunted mansion, but I, I think what they did do with it, there was some surprisingly dark stuff in here, especially with the hat box ghost. I thought that stuff was really cool. And there was some legitimately creepy moments in there. I thought when they did do the, the, the ride Easter eggs, those were my favorite parts of the movie. Now I definitely have some questions for Steve because he is the haunted mansion expert here. So um, I'll divert to him for now, but I do have some questions. Yeah. So my perspective is a little different than most people. And that's because I'm like a haunted mansion super fan. I have my living room decorated as the haunted mansion. Uh, my old house, I had the bedroom decorated as the haunted mansion. And I just really, really love this property. I know it just, Mary is like two of my favorite things in the world, which is Disney and horror, you know, so I always kind of gravitated towards it. And I wasn't happy with the 2003 adaptation. It has grown on me a little bit over the years, uh, just rewatching it just because it's a Haunted Mansion movie. But this one will definitely take its place. I personally really love this movie. It mixed... You know, it had enough stuff for adults, but also enough stuff for kids. It like towed the line well enough, I thought. Because there are some ghosts that look a little goofy for sure. And some of the jokes are obviously geared towards kind of a younger audience. But at the same time, it also had a lot of heart. It had a great message about grief and how do you deal with grief. And it got dark at, at some point. I mean, we're dealing with like, like child suicide at some point. That's like, wow, I didn't expect the movie to go into kind of that route. And some of the ghosts were a little scary, I thought, for something geared towards a younger audience. So I was surprised about that as well. I do agree with you guys. It's too long. It, it could have shaved off like 20 minutes and just been a tighter film overall. I actually liked having all those characters in it because it gave, each of them kind of gave a different vibe to what was going on. And I enjoyed the scenes that they were in for the most part. And the Easter eggs were really the highlight of the film for me. There are so many Easter eggs to, it's like a six minute attraction it's not like this big thing right and you're making a two-hour movie but the amount of things that they fit into this movie both obvious easter eggs and really subtle ones was fantastic uh, they even have easter eggs to other disney properties which i really liked and one big shout out is the music uh you know the the haunted mansion music it's like basically a couple themes that you hear throughout the attraction and they did such a good job of remixing basically like three songs to make the whole like score feel like it's different, but it's always had notes of the classic Haunted Mansion, which made it feel like the Haunted Mansion. And I, this is my second time watching it. I saw it in theaters when it first came out and I, I love it. I, this is one that's going to be on an annual watch list for me around this time of year. I think it's the perfect kind of spooky season, not too horror, not too kitty, like just right in the middle. And I really like that. So I thought it was great. And I, there's certain moments I'm going to pick out later that I want to talk about that I personally really like. And I'm curious how you guys felt about it. Uh, so my one question, I guess I had, Steve, was it is like it like a fact or it was this just made for the movie that like the Haunted Mansion is in New Orleans? Is that like a thing in the lore or did they just do that for this movie? So Haunted Mansion is in New Orleans Square at Disney. So okay. the the way that uh, Disney is built is they're like different territories, right? And New Orleans Square is where the Haunted Mansion is. So that's why it's based in New Orleans. And now another thing that people should know, if you're not too familiar with the attraction, 
is that each haunted mansion is different. So the haunted mansion in California is different than the one in Florida. They're similar, but they're a little different. But the one in France, uh, Phantom Manor, is very different. And then there's one in Tokyo, which is also very different because the way that the Imagineers, which are the people who work at Disney, like felt about those houses is each house should be culturally relevant to its setting. So that's why the one in California is a little different than the one in Florida and the one in France is so much, it's different and the one in Tokyo because each culture sees ghosts and hauntings and funerals differently. So they picked New Orleans for this one. I thought it was appropriate. It's a, it's a great city. It's one that celebrates their dead, which I really like. They kind of showcase that early in the movie where they show that, you know, in New Orleans, they don't mourn their dead so much as much as celebrate their life and kind of have parties around death because it should be something celebrated. So I, I enjoyed it for that. Where, where do you get your knowledge for Haunted Mansion and Disney in general, Steve? Books, podcast uh, combination? I mean, it started with just the attraction itself, but then I've read a ton of books, like making of uh, stories about how they made certain decisions. It's got an interesting kind of history. Uh, so Walt Disney built the building for the Haunted Mansion at uh, Disneyland in California, but for whatever reason, they couldn't get the funding and they couldn't really decide on what kind of attraction it should be. So the house just sat there vacant for like 10 years without anyone like doing it and everyone was like what the hell is up with this like what's happening with this so there's like this crazy story where people are starting to have rumors as to why it's there and what its purpose was at first it was going to be a walk-on attraction and then when they decide to do kind of the you know the dark ride buggy attraction that they settled on one person want to be scary one person want to be goofy so they kind of married the two like there's a lot of history to the haunted mansion that uh is pretty interesting and there's so many details that are overlooked by so many people and that's what i love about it they, they do these little references that are just fantastic once you start getting into the lore like for a six minute ride it's got so much lore and it's kind of crazy about for that yeah i do have a couple notes here before i, I know steve you probably burst into the seams with, with notes but first of all ben why wouldn't you test your battery before going out on a job it's common sense right i don't know that that Kind of bugged me. But then uh, I, I got a Todd tip from this movie. This goes for guy, uh, girls and guys alike. If someone comes up to you and offers you a drink, you don't, you don't take the drink. Especially if you don't know him. You don't take the drink. You know what this fucking guy's up to. He just turns around and says, you can have my drink. Don't trust that motherfucker. It worked out this time. Next time, maybe not so. You never know what they could do with the drink. So Todd tip, don't accept drinks from strangers. And especially if they're named Joe. Because Joe's giving me this weird eye right now and you can't see it. But um, yeah, another, my last note really is like, Honestly, it did a really good job of making me want to go on the ride until I remembered how much money it cost to go to Disneyland and three hour wait. And I'm like, okay, never mind. But it was, a, it did, it did capture the feeling pretty well. And to, just to answer your question, I think he didn't care about the battery. Like, I don't think he purposely, like, he just, he just didn't, he's even doing like the clicking sound with his mouth. You know, he's, he was so checked yeah. out. Like, he yeah. just wanted money and didn't care at all. So, um, and one thing I think the movie did brilliantly which I really loved is, and that's a problem with all haunted properties, like all movies, how to keep the people there, right? Why aren't people leaving the haunted house? And they did a good job that the ghosts follow you home, which is actually a line from the haunted mansion, right? It's like, that's part of their, their story. And I like that, that every time someone went in the car, they'd rearrange the mirror and you'd see a different ghost or a couple ghosts in the back seat because they follow you home and they make sure you go back to the mansion. 
And that created two opportunities. One, it gives a reason for people to be at the mansion. But two, it also allowed them to leave. You know, they were, it's not like they were stuck in the mansion where they were held prisoner there. They could actually go and do different gags. Uh, like one of the ones that made me laugh the most, which I unfortunately was spoiled by the trailer, but I still thought it was a cool moment is when he goes to the police station with Danny DeVito to get a sketch of what the Hatbox Ghost looks like. And he draws like the perfect Hatbox Ghost, which I thought was hilarious. And just a little anecdote about the Hatbox Ghost. It's kind of an interesting story there too. When the Haunted Mansion first opened in California, uh, the Hatbox Ghost was there. This is in the early 70s, I think like 71. And he, they took it out because the gag wasn't working well. So the gag is his face is either like where his face is or it goes to the box. But in 1971, they didn't have the technology to make that work really well. So after a week, they took it out and then just never talked about it again. And it was basically a rumor that that thing was there. And there was no physical proof that there actually was a hatbox ghost. And it was like a Disney legend for years and years until somebody found a VHS, uh, not a VHS tape, like some kind of tape. Uh, someone recorded on the ride in 1971, found the like whatever the reel or the tape or whatever from that time with proof that there was Hatbox Ghost in 71. So they dug into the archives, found like sketches, and then brought it back uh, three, four years ago, I guess, in Disneyland and Disney World. It's in November that he's joining the Haunted Mansion. Is he going to be? I feel like he's associated a lot with the hitchhiking ghosts, but it's like not really, right? He's kind of like his own kind of different. Yeah, he's his own. He's thing, just one right? of the 999 ghosts from Thornton. Right. So speaking of the 999 ghosts, that was introduced in this one too, right? Where this new guy, this so the Hatbox ghost, who they kind of go over his whole lure in this movie. He was kind of he was like this sort of rich, you know, debutante. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. But his goal, right, is to collect a th that once he gets to the thousandth ghost, right, that's when all hell kind of breaks loose. Yeah, that, that's not a ride thing. That's a movie thing. There is 999 ghosts, but the, the gag is that you're the thousandth, you know, it's like there's room for a thousand any volunteers, which is what the ride does. So I thought it was a good way of bringing in kind of that story. So what did you guys think of the Hatbox Ghost? So first he's played by Jared Leto, which I wasn't happy about when they cast it. But honestly, unnecessary. if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't know. <laughs> like he's he's totally hidden, which is great for that kind of Necessary to have have a famous person play that character. Right, for sure. Uh, what did you think of the character, though? I that thought he was great. Yeah, he was creepy. He had a great look to him. Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, I mean... The only reason you would know it was Jared Leto is because they show his human form. But yeah, like when he's under that sort of, I wouldn't even call it makeup, right? I feel like it's mainly CGI'd, right? I, and there's not much practice. I think it's a mix. To that character, yeah. So it, I feel like it's a mainly CGI mix. But yeah, I thought he was great. I really dug him. I love the look of him. I like the look of most of the ghosts. I think they were all pretty cool. They all kind of had their unique stuff going on there. Yeah. It's great. I mean, the amount of Easter, like we get into more Easter eggs too, because you even get the stretching room at one point, which I thought was fucking awesome. But yeah, all the ghosts were great. So what happens with the Mariner at the end? He steals a boat, but how is he going to refill it? We didn't think of that, did we? Mariner. <laughs> He'll steal another boat. <laughs> he's a ghost. <laughs> like he's got time. <laughs> so, and I, I love that because the Mariner is basically just a painting in, in the Haunted Mansion. And at uh, Disney World, he's in a cemetery outside. There's a, a tombstone of the Mariner and it shoots out water once in a while. 
and I, I like that character. I thought it was kind of a funny way, and I love that he's like obsessed with Deadliest Catch. Like every time he watches TV, he's just always to watch TV. Yeah, watch watch Deadliest Catch. He just loves that show. I did like when um, Rosario Dawson was saying, like, every time she walks through the hallway, she feels pinches in her side. And then later on in the film, I forget who is, who does it, but it's the two brothers that kill themselves in a duel, and they will both fire and, and shoot them in the side, and that's the reason for it. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, and that's another thing from the uh, dining room scene. So there are two paintings of the duel, and the ghosts come out of it and shoot each other in the dining room at the uh... Haunted Mansion. They really did a good job of capturing pretty much everything that's in this in this ride. It's it's pretty impressive. Like whether it's in the background, set design, music cues, one liners. Yeah, they really got it all in here. So that was that was pretty cool. So it's something we haven't talked about yet. And as a horror podcast, we have to mention this. What do you think of Jamie Lee Curtis as Madame Leota? Uh, we get a little backstory. We get her, you know, head I, in the ball. I, I personally thought she was awful. Like. I, I did not buy the accent or anything like that. And I thought the CGI head was really bad. Like they couldn't have done it. They probably did do it practically and they fucked it up with CGI, but put her head through the fucking bottom of the table, old school style and have her act through that. Let's just do that. But I thought, I thought, yeah, I did not like her character or her performance. Yeah, I was, you know, I didn't hate it, but I don't know. I just feel like it could have been better, especially like someone like Jamie Lee Curtis, like, I feel like she was a bit maybe underutilized here. I did kind of like the the backstory they went into, I guess, a little bit, like about how she got in there and all that. I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I didn't love it. I, I just think they could have did a better job with, with that. Because that character is like so iconic, right? Like in the thing. I guess that maybe it's the look, like the look of her in, in there just didn't do it for me. I like it, it in the ride much better. Yeah, it felt phoned in to me to be honest. And I think Jennifer Tilly is the better head in the uh, whatever it's called, the fishbowl <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I, that's the one thing I'll agree on is, like, she was fine, but I actually thought Jennifer Tilly's performance was better in the 2003 Haunted Mansion. That's pretty much the only compliment I'm going to give that movie tonight that I thought was better was uh, Leota. I also felt she was underutilized, honestly, overall. Uh, like Joe said, it's kind of an integral part of the story in the ride. That's when the ghosts start like actually physically appearing is after she conjures them. So I thought that was really cool, and I wish they had kind of translated that a little bit better in the movie. Essentially, they should have cut Tiffany Haddish's character and just had Leota do that role. Uh, in my opinion, Tiffany Haddish, the she's, she's the uh, yeah the medium. Okay. I think it was an unneeded character, and they should have just given Leota kind of that role. Someone finds the ball, they put it in. They, that's how they get kind of that medium stuff into it. So they flip yeah. it around a little bit. Joe, I mean, Steve, you're the you're the disney lover and you can tell you're passionate about this what is what is your favorite ghost and why and then follow-up question what is your favorite disney legend and why okay favorite ghost in in this you mean in the movie yes yeah so <laughs> i know it's dumb so obviously the hitchhiking ghost is so iconic because that's like such a big part of the ride. I have a ton of merch from the Hitchhiking Ghost, so that was cool to see. But the one that always made that made me laugh both times I watched it is the Mummy, because Owen Wilson specifically points it out as being too creepy and it's like messing can his you, vibe. Can you turn around? Like <laughs> yeah. I do speech. Uh, of course, the Mummy is in the cemetery scene at the Haunted Mansion, so it's also like an actual character from from the movie. So that's probably the one that. 
I know. I, I just really like that scene and what when they did that. As far as Disney legend, that's a loaded question. There are a lot of Disney legends. Um, I like the fact that a lot of people think the Haunted Mansion is like uh, actually haunted in real life. And there might be some truth to that because they have so many people who dump ashes at the Haunted Mansion that there's a sign to tell you not to, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. So I, I think there's some truth to the Haunted Mansion being haunted. Can I say mine? Yeah. The Mummy is... The mummy was awesome, but I've always enjoyed the gravedigger and his dog. I've always enjoyed those, and I love that they had an appearance in this. Favorite Disney legend, of course, though. The best legend is that Walt is frozen somewhere just under Disney property. Somewhere. It could be it's just his head. It could be his whole body. We don't really know, but he's definitely frozen. And then, is it true about the underground tunnels of Disney. That's got to be true, right? Yeah, that's 100%. That's so uh, yeah. uh, that's actually Disney World, not Disneyland. Uh, okay. Disney World is actually on the second story. So they built their entire facility and then built the park on top of it so that pe- so that characters and cast members can move without being seen by the public. Because if you see, for example, Haunted Mansion, right? So they have people in these like kind of green suits that greet you into the Haunted Mansion. Well, you don't want to see that costume in near Pirates of the Caribbean because it takes you out of the illusion. So they have to go underground so that no one sees them go into other lands in their costumes. So that's why, but part of the reason why it's it's all like essentially for the stuff. Yeah. Follow up question: Have these tunnels expanded into the other parks like Animal Kingdom? And like, do they all con- have they all do no. they all connect, or is it just Disney World? It's just Disney World. It's it's only Magic, or Magic Kingdom. Kingdom. I should say Magic Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. It, it's only Magic Kingdom that has an underground section. I think maybe Epcot has part of it, but mm-hmm. full full park. Yeah, it's only Magic Kingdom that has that. It's it's you know, well, it's more Roy Disney than Walt Disney that did that because Walt Disney died before uh, Magic Kingdom opened. Uh, but yeah, it was that's definitely true, and just. To address also your other one with the dog and the uh, the keeper, my issue with that, and it's a little bit of a nitpick, is that in the attraction, he's real. He's not a ghost. And I thought that would have been an, a funny opportunity to have like a guy who's just absolutely terrified because all these ghosts are out all of a sudden and his dog that's also terrified, which they kind of also do in the 2003 version. Uh, I thought that would have been a funnier moment than just have him a ghost because then he just kind of blended in with the rest. So what do you guys think of the, I guess, more emotional side of this? So the story is that the the main guy, the photographer, Ben, uh, he lost his wife. And part of the reason that he does ghost tours and that he was using the camera was because he wanted to find evidence of his wife. And I think that's also part of why he wanted to go to the Haunted Mansion. More, You know, there was the money, of course, but also just to maybe find evidence of his wife and how bummed out he is when the medium tells him that his wife is not there. And then you also have uh, the a little kid, which is Rosario Dawson's kid in the movie, who says that he's talking to his dad, and it never occurs to anyone that his dad is dead until the end when the Hatbox Ghost tries to trick him to think that dad wants him to join him in the spirit world and makes tries to make him commit suicide to be the 1,000th ghost. Uh, were you guys surprised by that theory? Did you like that kind of storyline? Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I, I liked all of sort of the 
both really i mean like you said earlier steve like i'm surprised they kind of went like that dark dealing with sort of childhood grief and potentially suicide especially for like a disney movie i feel like they try to uh veer away from stuff like that but with this being pg-13 and haunted mansion i guess they felt like they could sort of push the envelope a little bit and do you know and kind of touch on some of those darker subjects i thought it was great i thought the whole story with uh lakeith stanfield's i mean who's a fantastic actor obviously uh in general i've i enjoy him and everything he's been in but uh, i really liked his his arc you know being you know really down in the dumps after he loses his wife and then kind of um his sort of progression and then also uh, coming together with the child and then both dealing with massive grief with the dad being dead and his wife dying and just kind of, you know, uh, merging together and, you know, saying, you know, it will get better. I think that's an important message, especially for children that are going to be watching uh, this movie who might be feeling that way. So I thought that was great. I thought that was great messaging and it works so well with the theme of this movie, Haunted Mansion. Um, I felt this a bit unnecessary, to be honest, with the kid stuff. Um, I would have preferred that uh, ben would have been like the sacrifice, which w- what was we were led to believe. Because from a kid's point of view, man, like especially little kids, as a parent, you don't want them fucking asking these questions because it, it just leads into sad territory. Like if you're asking like your dad if he's gonna die and shit like that, it's just not cool. So part of me is like that's not necessary, and I really like the kid in this. He did a fantastic job, and he's like he's lovable, he's cool, he's playing with the toys and shit like that. And I felt like. Ben should have been like, he had his wife, he lost her, and now he's a piece of shit. Maybe that's a strong term, but now he's not like the greatest person. And he sees, he, he takes this as an opportunity to sacrifice himself um, for the greater good. And I think they should have left out the kid aspect of it, which I'm honestly surprised Disney would even take that route because they're, you know, play it safe most of the time. So this is actually a uh, different kind of feel for them. I love the way it all comes together with something that they telegraphed super early in the movie and that no one paid attention to probably where when Owen Wilson first goes to recruit Ben's character, he comes in with a cat and he's like, oh, I thought this was your cat. He's like, no, he's just hanging out the front porch. So, you know, Owen Wilson just kind of throws it back outside. And then at the very end of the movie, um, when he goes back to his house, the cat is there and he's like, he actually pays attention to the cat because I guess he's like a, newer man and he actually like looks into things now and he knows the cat's name is tater tot which is what which had a big connection to his wife essentially saying that that was kind of his wife's way to let him know that she's still there in spirit i thought that was a really touching way to end this movie (laughs) what if the cat's name is like ass eater Yeah. Sam Sam bald, I think, when that has Sam <laughs> cried a few times in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a tearjerker. It is. It can definitely, it's definitely a tearjerker, which I was surprised about. You know, I was expecting sort of a lighthearted uh going into this. I was expecting sort of like the Eddie Murphy version, although I did not watch it in its entirety. I was expecting sort of a lighthearted, goofy thing, but I think they did a good job of really changing it up. Obviously, I would love, I mean, Guillermo del Toro wanted originally had this whole idea for a super dark version of Haunted Mansion, which I would love to see one day, but I don't think we ever will see it. But I thought they did a good job of, dis, you know, being Disney, but also being able to go into realms that Disney doesn't typically go into. Yeah, 
for sure that's why i like this movie so much i think it's just it dipped into so many things like it was funny at times it was sad at times it was exciting at times you know it really gave you a little bit of everything and i enjoyed it like i had so much fun watching it the first time in theater i had a ton of fun watching it last night again on disney plus so i think this is a great film and i love something we didn't talk about that i really loved as well i love the idea of a ghost haunting other ghosts because we're so used to seeing ghosts haunting people that the idea that the hatbox ghost is haunting a little bit the main cast, but not so much. Like he's more torturing the other ghosts and that's kind of their motivation is to stop them from doing that. And I, I like that a lot. I just wish that Master Gracie, which is a big part of the story as well, had a bigger role in it. Uh, he He's kind of introduced in a way that seems important, but then they don't really follow through on that. So I thought that was unfortunate. All right, you guys want to get into the questions before we... Yeah, did, did we get any Haunted Mansion ones, or is it all episode 300 questions? Uh, it's a mix of both. Uh, there are a all few right. of, of each, so you can ask those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast or on our Discord, which ton of great people always enjoy hanging out with people there. So the first one is from Cody. The Big 300. Where do you guys see the show going from here? Just keep on keeping on, baby. That's right. We've been doing it 300 episodes now, and we just keep going. You know, I never thought we'd get to 300, quite honestly, when we started, <laughs> but here we are. And when we first, I mean, when we first started way back when, it was just me and Todd. Steve came in later, but, you know, we weren't, we didn't, we weren't taking it extremely serious. I mean, we just released an episode when we felt like it. But since Steve came in, we really kind of, came up with a sort of good flow and being able to release every single week and whatnot. We're in a really good rhythm. So yeah, I mean, I feel like the rhythm has really helped keep this show alive uh, and the structure. So yeah, as far as where we go from here, I mean, I think we just keep, like I said, keep keeping on, keep doing similar things, maybe introduce some new things. Um, we shall see, you know, but yeah, I'm happy where we're at. I just like talking horror movies, honestly. That's all that's all I really care about with the show. Not in that I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just here to talk about horror movies because I don't get that in my normal everyday life. So to be able to talk about just fucking movies that I like, either even whether I like them or not, talking about horror movies is just fun. And I've always liked doing that. And this is a good medium to do that because I'm not like a social media person. So like, you know it's a struggle to do that for myself. So like, this is pretty much my only avenue to talk about that stuff besides like a couple of my friends that are local. So talking horror movies, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, to answer his question, like what, uh, where do, where does the show go from here? Like I said, you know, it, I don't think there'll be any major, major changes. You know, we, we kind of like the flow it is, but we do change things from time to time, you know, whether people notice it or not, uh, we change the structure, we add some things, we remove some things, you know, as, Time gets like at first when we were doing trivia, we just ask reg regular trivia questions and then we started bringing in like new categories. And now we have so many different categories that it doesn't seem like stale anymore. You know, like if I feel something stale, I just don't use it for weeks. And then by the way, it comes back. So yeah, it's just like a steady flow. I know one thing personally that I want to maybe start doing more of that we've done a little bit lately because of the actress, right? Especially is interviewing people that are still within the horror realm but that have kind of different experiences or point of views. Like we've been doing a lot of actors, directors, producers, stuff like that. And that's great. And we're going to keep doing that for sure. 
but I really enjoyed talking to like, you know, Joe's mom a long time ago, uh, uh, like a medium. And I talked to more indie creators. I talked to a comic creator uh, this year. Um, we talked to a drag king and drag queen on last week's episode. And I thought it's it's just different perspectives of things that people do within horror. I know there's a particular um, street performer that I'd like to talk about, like a, a busker uh, very soon. You know, there's just, I think I want to do a little bit more of that, just kind of explore the horror realm a little bit further than just movies uh, as far as interview goes anyway um his second question looking back what is the proudest change each of you like seeing becoming a permanent staple of the show here's to another 300 um steve bringing steve on he's i think really elevated the show to something we didn't have before so yeah for me it's, it's definitely steve i think without him uh, I don't know if the show would even still be going on or honestly, it would just be me and Todd and who likes that. Come on. Everyone knows Steve's the favorite. Steve is not only the, the resident Disney expert, but also the sex appeal. So when we lose that, we lose everything. And for the fans out there that don't see any video, we actually do this completely nude. So we can't be accused of uh, lying and cheating and trivia because you can't hide anything unless you keister it. My favorite thing and probably the best move also for us, I think I 100% agree, uh, bringing Steve on. But I also, one, one thing I'm proud of too is that we haven't, and this sounds so stupid to say because I don't consider ourselves like journalists, quote unquote, but we've never like adhered to what the the the, the popular notions are of things, right? If we have our opinion, we we say our opinion, whether we all agree, we all disagree, whatever we're able to give our, our two cents without like being worried. Oh, like am someone get offended and stop listening to the show because they don't think they don't agree that we don't like saw or something stupid like that. You know, and we have had reviews like that where they're like, we don't like this. So we're not listening. Okay. Bye. Like we're not going to change just because you don't like it. So uh, I, I like that. We were able to maintain our pretty much like consistency with our opinions. Like they just say what we want. Yeah, I mean, I'm always, you know, sometimes like we try to be a little, we just, we try to be respectful, you know what I mean? Especially when we have directors and writers on, but we never are going to like lie about if we don't like a movie, we're going to tell it the way it is. You know what I mean? So I, I do agree with that. I'm glad we haven't um, sort of, you know, sold out, I guess, and been like, oh yeah, that movie was great because they gave us our screener. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's something I think that's really important to to me as well, our authenticity and integrity when it comes to reviewing films. Like, sure, if it's like a super low-budget indie film, I'm going to be a little kinder with my words, you know. I, I will give my honest opinion, but I'll try to give a few positives as well, just to kind of, you know, I know how hard it is to make a film. Like, it, there's there's talent in any film that's made, really. You know, there's a, a lot of work put in that people don't see, so. But I'll never lie, either. You know, if I feel a certain way about a film, I'm definitely going to let everyone know. Uh, as far as his question, proudest change that became permanent staple of the show, for me, is uh, starting a Discord. You know, I know it's not technically part of, like, the episode, but I, I thought that was a fun thing, because it's a direct way to talk to listeners, and I have so much fun in there, and it just helps everything. Like, when you put out an episode like before a discord i'd put out an episode and i don't know if people like it hate it you know there's no one to bounce ideas off of you're kind of in your own echo chamber 
and discord has really helped us kind of bounce off ideas and ask honest questions sometimes and get real life feedback about what we're doing so i really liked that part of it next uh, question are from scott congrats on 300 steve you mentioned before that there were a lot of things in this movie that were easter eggs from the ride as someone who hasn't been to disney in 15 or so years i feel i missed out on those what are were some of your favorites so some of my favorites, I really like that they integrated the Doom Buggy somehow in this, uh, when the chair becomes possessed and kind of kicks them out of the house. I thought that was like a clever way to introduce the Doom Buggy in in a way that was kind of fun, but they didn't overuse. You know, I'm glad they didn't use it throughout the whole film. I thought it was especially funny when Danny DeVito's character got pulled into the buggy and then like almost killed in the street. I thought that was a kind of hilarious moment, but also scary because... I thought he was dead. I was like, wow, that's a really short cameo by DeVito. And there are just these little cues. One of them that's not even a Haunted Mansion thing. So they go to uh, the Hatbox Ghost, like the guy Crump, which was the guy who became the Hatbox Ghost, to his mansion. And they used the Disney World Haunted Mansion as opposed to the Disneyland one, which is where the Haunted Mansion in the movie takes place. And in there, you have uh, Dan Levy and Winona Ryder make cameos and at one point dan levy's playing the piano and he's playing uh, it's a small world after all and kind of an in joke of how bad people hate that song you know and he's kind of like torturing his his guests so i thought that was a funny little easter egg but this movie is just chock full of them there's so many little moments i was like i was like that pointing meme you know with leo dicaprio from um once upon a time in hollywood where i kept pointing at the screen like look that's that's that you know from the ride so i really enjoyed it but there are a ton so his next question, now that there are 300 episodes in there, are there any things you wish you knew sooner? Ooh, well, that's a reflection question. God. No, I have no, re- no, I don't think so. You know, I, I have no regrets, really. You know, it just, it's been a progression and that's kind of how you learn. Yeah, you can't have good stuff without getting past the cringy stuff first. So, you know, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. yeah there's like editing tricks that i wish i could tell my younger you know my younger self and stuff like that i the way i used to do it when i first started was just a fucking super painful <laughs> uh, process i also hated when we were using um whatever last platform we were using before zoom zoom is so much easier to edit and to record and everything like that so i, I love that about it but uh other than that there's not too much like yeah it's 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 like a work in progress at all times you know we're learning a little bit and sometimes it comes from a lot of times it comes from feedback like we say which platform on our what watch because it helps people find those those movies you know we used to not do that we used to just say the movie and that's it Uh, same thing we started putting our letterbox scores as opposed to you know the the 10 that we had before so it's just feedback goes a long way so if you ever had feedback uh, we're all ears and we'll learn from them uh, next question. What are your, some of your favorite memories from the last 300 episodes? Excited for 300 more. So what are the, some of your favorite memories from the 300 episodes we've done? I, I love Joe's mom. Honestly, that's one of my favorite memories. It's been about two and a half, three years, something going going on. But yeah, that was a great episode. I love that. I love talking to her. She's just fucking cool as hell. And then, of course, the... Uh, the um, Omri event was fucking cool too, man. Being on stage at a theater, sold out crowd, talking, yeah, talking to an actor, and that was that was pretty cool. And you guys are gonna do it next week, so yeah, that was fun. 
Yeah, I mean, being able to do events is awesome. Like this podcast obviously affords us to be able to put on fun type events. Being able to talk to directors and actors that I grew up watching, you know, I never thought I would have that opportunity. And it really, sometimes I get a pinch myself to be like, wow, like I'm really talking to, you know, like Tony Todd right now, or I'm talking to the cast of Hocus Pocus that literally I was a child watching them like, in amazement watching that movie and absolutely loving it. And now I'm able to interview them for the podcast. So stuff like that, it really is like the, the special moments for me personally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, getting to talk to people that we'd never had the chance to talk to otherwise, like uh, it, it's absolutely hazy just to think of some of the names that we interviewed at this point, you know, and I uh, got to talk to them and some of them were so freaking cool and it was great. But definitely for me, some of the, my greatest memories is meeting everyone associated with this podcast, with people on Discord. You know, I met a lot in Texas. I met some in California. I met some in Salem. But meeting you guys in person, finally, because of this podcast is probably the absolute highlight. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen Todd since, but we will see each other in Pittsburgh next year. Uh, Joe, I got to see quite a bit. You know, we went to Disney and Universal together. We went to Texas together. Going to see him like the day this episode releases, I'll be with Joe. So uh, yeah, it's been amazing for that and just to make kind of lifelong friends this process. Yeah. What well, one thing too is, uh, like Steve said, starting the, the Discord and being able to be more interactive with our listeners, I think has been really awesome as well. And being able to meet some of them, being able to go out to lunch with them in Texas last year, um, me and Steve were able to do that. That was really awesome to kind of just hang out with them and, and talk hard and stuff and kind of see the friendships that have bonded just from people listening to this podcast you know, people that have met through the podcast and have become friends. I, I think that's amazing. And it just is a testament to how awesome the heart community is in general. Yeah. And I just want to mention, so there's nothing like too special we're doing for this 300th episode. It's because we're so busy. Uh, we're planning to do something special for 303. So just keep that number in mind. We're going to do something a little different than what we usually do to kind of hit this 300 milestone. Uh, next question is from Brad. In the spirit of horror movie marathon, what five films would you screen for a horror movie marathon? It's so maybe just one each. I think it's, it's sufficient. <laughs> so if you uh, if you're going to screen a horror marathon for someone right now, what movie would you pick? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can never go wrong with the classics, right? So this time of the year, how can you go wrong with Halloween? Well, I was going to say Halloween, so I'll flip it and go scream. <laughs> since they watched Ooh. Halloween in Scream at the party, which is always a good, it, it's, it's it's just fucking fun. So let's go Scream. Yes. And I should clarify, I meant Rob Zombie's Halloween. Of two, course. Uh, and, <laughs> and Halloween and, ends. Ha and Halloween ends double feature. Yeah, With a, maybe a resurrection. Like, uh... be, <laughs> torture. Sure. That'd be torturous, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I'd bring it just more to the season a little bit. I'd show like Hocus Pocus and, or Hubie Halloween which are both like staples for October for me now. And our final series of questions, they come to us from Phil's fan 330. Sorry, he did send this a couple of weeks ago, but he sent it right after we had cut the, uh, the time off. So we had recorded already. In terms of iconic horror movie characters, I would assume most people would have a combination of Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface. Is there any character from the last 20, 30 years that you can see cracking the list? Ghostface, Jigsaw, Arctic Clown. Obviously, yeah, I was gonna say all three of those I think are are great. Art the clown right now, obviously, is 
the sort of the new icon, it seems. People have really been going crazy about him. But I would say, as far as longevity, I think Ghostface is definitely sort of the one that I think sticks out the most. Yeah, it it time will tell if art stands the test of time, honestly. Because, I mean, there's a lot of buzz just about how gross they are. And they are cool movies, but I don't know if they're going to be cultural icons like the ones that you just mentioned. So we'll see. But yeah, I agree with Scream. Yeah, for sure. And is it time that we start talking about... So this is complicated. So Jigsaw slash Billy the Puppet. So Billy the Puppet's not doing anything other than being creepy. But John Kramer... I don't know, like, but he's not, he's also not in a mask or something like crazy, like crazy recognizable that after 10 films, he's got to be put in a conversation at this point, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you have to put Billy the puppet, I guess, as kind of the, he, that is like the sort of iconic image from those movies. So I guess if you're going to, I, and I guess you can associate it with John Kramer, right? Because he kind of created Billy the Puppet and whatnot. So if you're going to throw Saar in there at all, I guess you got to go Billy the Puppet. Yeah. And the final question this week, still from Phil's Fan 330. Also, Mount Rushmore of scariest scenes put to film. Very subjective, but the nun scene in the Warren's home in Conjuring 2 is maybe the most terrified I've ever been in the theater. So what about like scary scenes? What's the Mount Rushmore of that? I mean, the one that immediately comes to my mind is Reagan turning her reverse head in The Exorcist. Stop stealing my fucking things, Joe. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know, man. That Conjuring 2 scene is fucking really good. Let's go. Let's put Patrick Wilson in Insidious where the fucking face is right behind him. That's a really cool, effective scene. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah, and the Conjuring 2 one is my favorite like horror scene ever basically it's uh the way it's telegraphed the way it's just that whole scene is so fucking perfect it's it's amazing i'll go with that as well so thank you everyone for the questions could not do this segment without you and now how about we review uh we rate the haunted mansion well i forgot we haven't done that yet (laughs) (laughs) i thought we already rated it uh i'll start us off yeah i mean i think it's it's a good it's a solid movie right i think it's it's a great family fun night watch i think it's great to watch obviously around this time of the year in october is it something i'm gonna add though to my every october rotation no i don't i don't think it is unfortunately just because it's a little too long and it just as much as i love haunted mansion i just feel like there was just a little bit missing for me personally i still think it's a solid movie though uh i'm at a three out of five on it all righty i i was bored a little bit with this film and i think they left a lot on the drawing board and try to put way too much in this i think if you cut the cast down cut the runtime down and make it more focused i think you have a better film here and i did like it I, you know i did have a, a good time with it when i was engaged um, but overall i think it was a miss i don't think i'll watch it again so it's a two and a half out of five so average film and for me no surprise I thought it was amazing. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's uh, it's one I will put on my on, on my Halloween list every year. It's one I'm going to put in my background in my haunted mansion room as well. You know, whenever people come over and uh, just to showcase that room. So I don't think it's a perfect film. Like I said, too long. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. Uh, very very solid film. Maybe we'll make my top ten. Maybe not. I'm not sure yet. But I enjoyed it thoroughly and uh, 
way better Haunted Mansion film than we got in 2003. So I'm happy that this exists. I was going to ask about that. Is this like eligible for a, a top 10? Because it's not really horror, but I mean, I'm, we've done. There's ghosts and demons. Yes, this is the Ghostbuster <laughs> argument once again. No, I mean, of course you do your thing. I mean, I think, I feel like we all had Hubie Halloween yeah. like, a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, yeah, it's horror. It's, it's horror. spooky. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's kids horror, right? Or family horror. But yeah, so. A good gateway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the bride's terrifying this. So yeah, that, that, actually, her alone. She is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah there's Agreed. a. I think this this fits into the top ten conversation. Excellent. All right, gentlemen. I think that is going to be it for this week's episode. Next week, Steve, what are we doing? Next week is our Halloween spooktacular episode. We actually just put it up to a vote. Uh, we're doing two movies this year: one new, one a little older. And the ones that won were A24's 2023 film, Talk to Me, and Art the Clown's first appearance, All Hallows' Eve. So that's what we're going to do next week on our episode. All right. Awesome. So stick around for that. Our annual Halloween spooktacular episode next week. Very exciting episode for that. So... Get ready, folks. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, anything else. Just search the Horror Squad podcast. You can also email us anytime, the Horror Squad podcast at gmail.com. But of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord, completely free to join. An amazing community over there. Tons of channels to peruse through. We have a movie club every month as well through there. Maybe Todd will bring the book club back eventually we also got a fancy football league uh league we got a whole bunch of stuff over there it's crazy it's amazing so come and join the amazing community on our discord just send us a dm through any of our socials or send us an email and we will get you a link to join that discord completely free you can also uh buy merch tpublic.com just search the horror squad podcast or just find a link over on our socials as well and you can buy merch we do have brand new hocus pocus merch for those of you who maybe attended the event this weekend and wanted to get some hocus pocus horror squad merch you can get it over on t public also if you are listening for the first time we would appreciate if you could give us a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcast apps that would help the podcast tremendously and i think that's about it don't forget we do have an interview immediately following this with Actor Douglas Tate, best known for Mike playing Michael Myers, stunt work in Halloween Kills, and also playing Jason Voorhees in Freddy vs. Jason at the end scene, carrying Freddy's head out of the water. Amazing interview. He gave a lot of great details, um, especially how he almost got to play Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees multiple times. And uh, he ended up finally being able to secure both those roles in crazy and different ways. So stick around for that interview. Great interview. Awesome guy. He'll also be in Salem next week, October 28th, for our other event with him. But once again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. 300 episodes. Who would have thought it? And for those who maybe are finding us for the first time after our Hocus Pocus event, we hope you stick along with us on this ride here's the 300 more we'll see you guys next week for our halloween spooktacular see ya bye, bye.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. Horror fans will know him best for playing some of horror's biggest icons, as he has portrayed Michael Myers in Halloween Kills and also Jason Voorhees in Freddy vs. Jason, among countless other roles, which we will get into later. But please welcome everyone, actor and stuntman, Douglas Tate. Douglas, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Yes. Awesome. 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 So uh, let's start off with one of the big reasons we're having you on today. And uh, that's you got a very special event coming at the end of October with our good friends at Silver Moon Comics, which we are proudly going to be sponsoring that event. So can you tell the fans and the listeners a little bit about what they can expect from that event? Yeah, that's uh, super excited. Um, we are doing a signing during the day. Um, so I'll be bringing Myers masks, I'll be bringing Jason masks, I'll be bringing photos, and then people could also bring stuff for me to sign. And then we are doing a special photo op of me, I'm bringing my Jason costume from Freddy vs. Jason with Freddy's head. So that'll be a short window of photos in that costume. And then later that night, we'll be screening Freddy vs. Jason. It's the 20 year reunion this year which is exciting because, uh, man, time flies. And I'll be doing a Q&A before. And then I got word, I don't know if you guys know this, but have you guys heard of Never Hike Alone, the the fan film? So yeah, sure Never, Hike, Never Hike Alone, um, big success. Vincent DeSanti did the first one, and then he just recently finished the second one. Um, and they're premiering it this October, Friday the 13th on YouTube. But um, I haven't figured out all the details that are trying to work in screening of that film, part two of that. And I'm in that also uh, special little treat of me in that. So so, yeah, it's going to be an exciting day. And I, I hope everyone can, uh, you know, make it out. A lot of people. Hell yeah, absolutely. Now, have you ever been to Salem in October? Or I have man. I have not been to Salem. It's been on the wish list. I was supposed to do a movie there last year, and it didn't happen. It got shelved. Um, so I'm excited to finally go because I know it's just insane. I, I know that they start decorating. Like, they already started decorating, like, September, right? Um, it's insane you're, oh, you're in for, you're gonna be in for a treat <laughs> i'm a huge halloween guy not since i was a kid just the season and the movie obviously um but uh i love haunted houses so i love like i'm i'm going every weekend somewhere else to go to like haunted houses to sign so salem is one of those places it's like that's just that's all it is so i'm stoked to like get to walk through the town i'm friends with uh james at uh count orlock's nightmare gallery so i've never seen that you know so i want to do all these things in the short window i'm there you know no. No. hell yeah i mean it's amazing you definitely got to get over to james's museum it is amazing it's yeah, a horror I fans know. it's a horror fans dream um oh i know speaking speaking of heart i mean you seem like you're a, a fan of the genre is it something that you kind of grew up on or a fan of or you just kind of jumped into horror movies as an actor no, I, I was a fan as a kid. Like I posted videos of me dressed up as Freddy Krueger. I made a Halloween fan film in high school. It's really bad, but funny. Uh, I, I posted all these things. Like I, I was a true horror fan as a kid. Like Halloween was the first movie I saw, Halloween 2. And, you know, 
so like now being on set with these characters like was surreal like working with Robert England was like like it was I was I had the chills I was like I cannot believe I watched this as a kid this guy and here I am on set with Freddy Krueger I mean that's literally how I felt it was amazing yeah, I was I was going to ask about that because obviously you being in full costume, Jason Voorhees at this event coming up. I mean, talk about a treat uh, for the fans. Just amazing uh, experience for all the fans. Just a, a complete treat. I, I can't wait, honestly, to see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did want to ask about Freddy versus Jason. You know, how was that experience? When did they? Because I know you you played uh, your uh, big claim to fame, I think, is coming out of the water at the end, right? Yeah, Holding Freddy's yes. head and that. Yes. So yeah. how, how did that, I guess, like, how did that come about? And, um, you know, did were, were there other scenes you did as well? No, that was the only scene, but I have, there's a whole story behind all this, which I've told Ooh, before, right. but it's pretty, pretty interesting. So sure. I got a call to audition. Like uh, I found all this info, other info out later on working with Kane Hodder and stuff like that. And Ken Kersinger, Kane Hodder was offered the role of Freddie vs. Jason of Jason, right? He had played him in four other um, movies. And if you don't know who Kane Hodder is, he played Jason in... Uh, part uh what is it six through six seven eight and nine is it what is it i believe Something it's like i believe that. it's se seven eight nine ten yeah seven eight nine ten that's, that's right. right okay yep. yeah the seven eight nine ten sorry uh so he was offered the role and when ronnie you the director got involved he didn't want him he wanted somebody taller and then this is what he said he wanted somebody that could emote better through the mask <laughs> <laughs> he wanted an actor that could emote through the mass and i'm like huh so when we auditioned for it so i auditioned for it and like they had us doing like emotional stuff with our eyes like crying and all this stuff plus the physical and i had the physical down i knew the character i grew up with it i had the height i had the build i'm like oh, i want to get this so bad i was like 21 22 at the time so i got a call back i go in again they call my agent and say, hey, we want to use, we're interested in him from the role for the whole movie, right? Um, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get to play Jason and work with Robert Allen. So like a month goes by, I don't hear anything. And then they, my agent calls, they said, oh yeah, sorry, they went with someone else. And what I come to find out is Ken Kersinger went in to um, meet with Ronnie, the director for the stunt coordinator. He was going to be the stunt coordinator because he's a stunt coordinator. And him and Ronnie hit it off. Like my luck, the guy's six five and he's big. And he's like, why don't you play Jason? And he's like, ah, uh, okay. So I would have played Jason in the whole movie if there was a short stunt coordinator that happened to come in for to meet with Ronnie U. But anyways, so that that happened, right? So then fast forward like months later they're testing the movie after they shot it right and they also shot in Canada and he's Canadian and I'm from Los Angeles um they shot the movie they they were testing the movie and and if I don't know if you've seen the deleted scenes but in the deleted scenes there's a scene with Jason Ritter gross claws in bed with Monica Kina and the movie ends and people are like what is he Freddy they didn't understand what was going on so it tested really bad so they said we're gonna redo this ending and when they redid the ending, they were shooting in LA and I was the second choice. They couldn't get Ken's visa in time to play the character because they were already considering me. So that's kind of how it all, all went down, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, yeah, very cool, very interesting. So, I, so was Robert on set like that day when you were? I mean, because I, yeah. I assumed it was just like a CGI sort of. No, uh, no, we worked. Or... A, we worked a couple of days together, and back okay. then CG, CGI wasn't what it is now. Like they didn't right. have as much ability to replace it. So what we did is, I did a lake scene, just me shooting the whole day. And what was crazy is this lake that we were in was a man-made lake that I grew up fishing in with my grandfather. And he had just passed away right before I got this role. And it was so nostalgic to be there in a Freddie and Jason outfit, you know, in a lake that I grew up fishing. And it was just crazy, right? So I shot one day in the lake where I did all the water stuff and I had a fake Freddie head. And inside the head, I would, I put my hand in it and then it had like these nubs that they glued onto the head that looked like my fingers were cut off. And I actually have a mold of that same head that was remade for my photo shoot that I will be bringing, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's not the same one, but it's, it's some guy in Germany has the head. <laughs> um, so um, then we did a day of just green screen stuff where Robert was there. And I have pictures of it where he was in a green shirt and I'm holding his head on a gurney and we go forward and he winks and then they superimpose the 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 final thing yeah <laughs> no, that, that that's awesome that's a, that's an amazing story so I, I gotta ask i mean i'm sure you get this question all the time but growing up a horror fan i mean what was it like putting on that iconic well actually both Dude. honestly putting on the iconic Voorhees and my and we'll get to that later but i want to yeah. know both 20 years later to putting so... on that virus costume Dude, uh, so I mean, putting on the Jason thing, it was surreal, totally surreal. Working with Robert Ian is surreal. Like when I talk about it, I get the chills because it just, I think about it. Um, going on to Myers, there's a whole other story on that too that, that I'll get into. That was even more surreal because like I grew up, like that was the first horror movie. I was more of a Halloween fan than a Friday the 13th. And I was a huge Freddy fan, Nightmare fan. Um, so working with him was just incredible. But the Halloween was just, that was my thing, man. I mean, it was like first horror movie I saw, the music, the mask take place on Halloween night, my favorite holiday. You know, that was just like putting the coveralls on. I shot a video of it. I was just like a, a kid. It brought, you know, there's, there's something about when you see something as a kid, and I'm sure you can relate it's not the same as when you see it now. There's just something about that feeling of seeing it as a kid that you just can't, you can't duplicate as an adult, but actually working on something, that feeling came back to me, you know, it was crazy. Uh, uh, before we move on to Halloween, I do want to ask you one last question about Freddy versus Jason. At yeah. what point did you, like, did it hit you that in film like history, you're the last person to share the screen with Robert England's Freddie. And that's Dude. just like, that's a, that must be such a crazy feeling to know that, that you are that person. You know, what's so cool that you just said that. I just realized that recently, like I never thought about it in 20 years. And just recently, this 20 year reunion came up and I just said, wait a minute. And I was talking to somebody, I said, I'm the last person to work with Robert England because Ken had already shot the movie and we did this reshoot and he hasn't done it since. So I'm like, wow, that is pretty damn cool. So that's cool that you 
just realized that. Yeah, that was that hit me this year. Funny enough, you mentioned that. <laughs> that is cool, actually. <laughs> because he told me, he told me on set there, he said, This is the last time I'm playing this character. I can't do this again. This is too much. It's too hard. It's too physical. Like it's it's tough to be in makeup doing stunts, doing action all day long, the energy that it takes. And I, I mean, he was in his late fifties at the time, maybe, maybe even sixties. So they've tried to get him to come back, you know, but I, I it's, he's, he told me then it's not happening. I can't do it. Do you believe him though? Cause I, I feel like recently he's kind of warmed up to the idea. Like I, I've I heard, heard, I've heard that too. And I've heard Blumhouse is really working on him because, you know, Blumhouse is really like the king. They're bringing all right. these things back. And I heard they're really working on it. And, you know, <laughs> I think that if they pitch it in a way like you're going to do all the dialogue, you're going to do the simple stuff, and then we'll have a stuntman do the action. Like, that's the way it's going to have to go, you know. But he does his thing. You can't have anybody else doing the voice. It has to be Robert England. Yeah. They've already proven that. I've already heard from all the fans how much they hate the remake, even though that actor's <laughs> awesome. That actor's yeah. a great actor, but they just want Freddy. So it's nothing against him, you know? Yeah, we talked about that recently. It's just like some Jackie actors. Jackie Haley. Yeah, yeah Jack, Jack Earl Haley. Just some yeah. actors can't, can't be replaced. And Robert England is, is Freddy Krueger. And it's, it I don't think I don't think the fans will ever accept anyone else. It's going to be, I think it would take, years maybe i think he would have to pass away and then like they'd have to like people that would be the only way because they come yeah. to me they're like why would they not hire him and it's like it's mm -hmm. not that they didn't want to hire him it says he didn't want to do it you know and they're like right. oh okay the people don't know how the business works you know they think they just ignored robert england say we're gonna go with someone else <laughs> but it's not how it worked you know right right uh so yeah let's i mean so we let's go from freddie versus jason over to 20 years later another icon of horror you put on the shape yes the iconic so, michael myers outfit how did let's uh hear how that uh got yeah to so so i was the stunt double i wasn't the main uh michael myers it was james g courtney played him in the movie uh i was his stunt double but there's a whole history to this also like there was in 2015 my signing agent, my convention agent, his name is Sean Clark. He's actually put it, puts on Halloween um, 45, which is coming this weekend in Pasadena, where it's every single Michael. I don't know if you, do you guys know about this. Every single Michael Myers, every single, almost every actor from the movie is there in Pasadena where they shot the original movie. They do a tour of the actual Myers house, which is still there. Um, so he, he's been putting this on for years. This is the 45th every five years they do it. So he's friends with Malika Kod, Mustafa Kod's his dad, the one that created, creator of Halloween. And they were looking for a Myers in 2015. And it was a movie called Halloween Returns. And I came in for it and I auditioned for it and was told, you're our guy. And... And I said, oh my God, this is unbelievable. It was, took place on death row. You could find the script. So I reenacted the scene in the in the um, on death row where I bust out of the chair and start killing people and stuff. It was like, I was like, this is incredible. I can't believe this. I don't know all the details, but apparently there was a deal with um, Miramax, Harvey Weinstein's company, and they weren't having it with him. And they said, you know what? We can't work with this guy. And the contract ran out. 
And so because that was a part of that, they couldn't do it. They shelved the movie. It was the writer and director of collection, Marcus Dunstan, collector and collection. He was going to direct. I met with him. So I said, man, that was like my dream. I'm not going to not going to be able to play this character. And then fast forward to 2018, the first the first one that came out before they were looking again, they said, hey, they want to bring you in again for the re uh, they're rebooting it. And it happened really fast. I'm in Bulgaria shooting Hellboy. And he's like, can you come in in two days? And I'm like, dude, I'm shooting Hellboy. I mean, can't, can't you leave? I was like, I'm, it's a 17 hour flight and like 11 hour time change. They're not gonna let me leave. That's like a, a week out of the schedule. And I asked them, they're like, no, sorry. So I couldn't even, I couldn't audition for that. Not that I would have gotten it because James was perfect, right? So I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm never going to, never again. It's second time. Third time Halloween Kills comes around, right? Chris Nelson puts my name in because they're doing the flashback to the young Michael Myers scene, right? They wanted to hire somebody else than James to kind of separate, separate it. So I auditioned for that. They're like, oh yeah, we're, we're looking at you, whatever. So the stunt coordinator ends up doing the role of the movie. He ends up playing them, um, did a great job. So he says, hey, you were so great. Uh, I want to bring you in to double James. And that's when it happened. So it, it was unfortunate because like I want to play him in a full movie and I still feel like I, I have time. But, you know, the fact that like to answer your question, I know that was a big explanation for it, but when I first put on those coveralls, dude, it was like, I have a video of it. I swear to you, it was like the most surreal feeling. I swear I got that feeling as a kid watching this movie. I was like, uh, like shaking a little. I was, it was so exciting. And then later putting the mask on, I mean, and then like seeing like the set dressed up and the lights and you know, the, they had the, we were at the, I did the park scene um at the suv at the park um and seeing the kids with the halloween three masks on the skeleton and the pumpkin it was just so unbelievable man so unbelievable that's cool that that's yeah, yeah no that, that's amazing and i think your time will come i mean blumhouse just announced recently they're Evil will never die. I mean, there's going to be a lot more Halloween to be I had. Know. So we're, we're definitely going to be rooting for you. Uh, to, they all know to, me over there. I've worked yeah. for them. They all know me. Uh, the producers know me in Halloween. So I'm hoping that they they still consider me. You know, you never know in this business. But uh, the fans know who I am now. So it's kind of like it would be a perfect, a perfect ending, you know, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... We'll see. Yeah. Putting it out there, yeah. though. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We'll just put it. We'll put out a call. Now the listeners will kill me if I didn't ask this, but uh, did you have any uh, scenes with Jamie Lee, and how was she to work with if you did? No, unfortunately, no? that okay. scene at the park. Uh, there's no scenes with her, but I did get to work with uh, Marion, um, the Marion, uh, the the nurse in Halloween yeah. too. So I got to talk to her, and that was the first one I saw. So it was pretty cool to talk to her. And she's actually married to the director of Halloween too. So oh. 
I told her that that was my favorite because it's the first one I saw. So that was cool. But it would have been nice to work with Jamie, but she's such a movie star, especially now. <laughs> Women yeah. Academy Award that I don't know like how engaging she is you know it's hard to like go up to people like that and just start you know going off the, on a conversation they're kind of a lot of times to themselves but uh, mm. unfortunately I didn't get to work with her okay so you know doing stunt work I'm sure it can be just an absolute grueling experience uh, yeah. and you've been in the business for what 20 years 30 years 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, looking back, I guess, on your career, is it something that, I mean, do you have any regrets, I guess? Cause I'm sure your body's taken a beat and from it. I'm uh, actually not, I don't consider myself a stunt man. Like I've done very okay. few stunt stuff. I started as an actor and mainly acted. Uh, the stunt stuff only came from characters that I've played. And the only okay. reason they, they hired me for the stunts on, on uh halloween is because they already knew me from you know being up for the role um if it was a, a regular uh movie where they said hey we want you to double this guy i wouldn't have done it the fact that it was halloween i was like i'm doing it no matter what <laughs> so i've never i've never considered myself a stuntman there's a lot of stuff that i wouldn't be comfortable with the stunts mainly that i've done is like fights with characters that i've been playing so my body really hasn't taken a beating. It's been more physical roles than actual stunt stuff because I don't consider myself a professional stuntman. I've done, I've gotten by, but man, those guys like to do fire. They do high mm. falls. Like I, I could never do that stuff. No way. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now one, I was going through your IMDB uh, the other day before this interview. And one thing that really uh, jumped out at me is that you played the werewolf and Annabelle Comes Home, which I thought was a super interesting character uh, in that film. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that uh, experience? Yeah, that was un that was incredible to me because I'm such a huge fan of James Wan and the whole Conjuring universe. I think those films are so well done and so scary. Um, and getting to be on set with him, even though he wasn't the director of the movie, he came in and helped out and had gave ideas. Um, that was super cool because uh what happened was is i was up for um play to play the swamp thing it was between me and one other guy and i didn't end up getting it but the producer said we loved you it was you were right there it was just you know it could have gone either way but we're gonna work together and like literally a few months later he calls me for, for annabelle and it was a cool character because originally it was supposed to just be a puppet but James Wan said, I need a guy in a suit, man, because they were just going to show it in a window and they did a little of that. But he's like, I need to see more of that. So when I was there shooting, we shot a lot more than you see on film. It's kind of like was in the dark and stuff. But he he had me doing all stuff through smoke and and everything. Um, but it was an incredible experience because that team is awesome. Those guys are so cool. And James is so amazing. And there's been talk of a spinoff of the werewolf. So I'm hoping that that happens because it's a really cool character. I think would be good. Yeah, just yeah, make sure that, that uh, you stay away from the stunt coordinator and that uh, you lock him up somewhere. Because <laughs> right, right. Apparently he keeps taking your good yeah. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. How many times has that happened, man? <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously. Now, I gotta, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now with all these uh iconic roles it's afforded you the opportunity to do a lot of conventions and hard conventions including this event we're going to be having coming up 
at the end of October. How has the convention scene been for you? Have you enjoyed it? And do you have a favorite fan interaction uh, story? Dude, uh, the conventions has been one of the greatest things ever. Um, I love it. I love talking to fans. I love that energy that you get from them. It's such a, it feels so good. And, and honestly, they're the reason I'm they, I'm doing movies because without them, you know, without them buying the movie and going and seeing it, we wouldn't be there. So to get to meet with them, build my fan base, um, it's it's very rewarding um uh a specific interaction it's hard to to say um but i just love the fact that at, like october i'm so busy it's crazy and i like i said i'm such a huge haunted house fan that i'm getting to go all over these different states to these haunted houses that i would never see these mom pop that are amazing you know, because in LA here, it's like Halloween Horror Nights, Universal, Not Scary Farm, which are cool and great. But like, these are like, there's something about these mom pop that are so cool. The whole town comes out. Um, and then the convention circuit's so great to, to be able to not only meet the fans and, you know, for them to support your future work, but you're also making money while this strike is going on, which uh, is, uh, you know, we're not we're not making any money at this time so it's kind of a nice little side thing that's that i love and uh and salem's gonna be great you know those guys at the comic collectibles they're they're awesome they're really cool yeah. people yeah absolutely and um we definitely are in support of you and the strike we hope it comes to an end very soon for you but don't yeah, forget thank fan, you. yeah yeah you got it um and so fans listeners don't forget you can come meet douglas tate Saturday, October 28th, he is going to be signing from 11 to 2.30 at Silver Moon Comics, followed by a very exclusive, in full costume, Jason Voorhees photo op. He will be doing that from 3 to 6 p.m. I believe Silver Moon will be selling pre-tickets for that, so you can go on their website for that. And then he will be doing a very special Q&A with a screening of Freddy vs. Jason at our good friends at Cinema Salem. It is going to be an amazing event. Do not miss it. Saturday, October 28th. Douglas, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I mean, I appreciate you guys uh, inter you know, having a chat. And um, everybody, please, please come out, say hello. Um, I think uh, it's going to be a great time. Awesome. And they can follow you on uh, Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those, all those things. Actor Douglas right. Tate, Douglas Tate. <laughs> excellent, yes. excellent. Thanks Amazing. so much, Douglas. I, oh, I'll see, I'll see, uh, I'll see you next month at the event. Okay, man. Awesome, guys. Right. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Serpents and spiders, tail of a rat, 
call in the spirits wherever they're at. Rap on a table. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. 